tonight on Whiskey Waffle. Ted, I've done a naughty thing. Yeah, and then you made me do it. I like to do a blending experience at Hartwood. Give them a piece of fencing wire and they'll build you a rocket ship. Brandy banter is going well. <laughs> That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Hey, my name's Ted. And my name is Nick. Welcome along to the Whiskey Waffle podcast. We always forget to get into who we actually are and what we're doing here. Yeah, so you guys are, know who we are. It's <laughs> just like... Who are these guys? These random guys. Yes, no, we, we thought we'd get it out of the way straight away, and we're, we're, we're done. Um, welcome to episode number, I don't know, 60-something? 60, yeah. 60. I've yeah. lost track. I don't think it's 69 yet. No, no. Episode, I think Have we it's gone about, past 64 without singing I the Beatles song? I think it's episode 65, perhaps. But Nick can, uh, as usual, insert the uh, digital lady's voice Yeah, in her, there. her name's Emily. Emily, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Emily can tell us what episode it is. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm episode 64? Thanks, Emily. Anything for you, Nick. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. I'm just chilling out, as are you, sitting over there in your wife, Peter. Yep, that's it. Mm, chest hairs on full display. Um, You guys would be so disappointed this is not a visual podcast. Yeah, man. Like, I, I wear it for you. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hot weather, though. Man, mm. it's it's been warm today. Warm for Tazzy. Warm for Tassie. You guys would probably be coming down like shivering because of your posh little uh, mainlanders, but except except for the ones who are down south from us, those uh, Tassie guys, they know how hot this really is. Yep, yep. You guys know the truth. Um, yeah, no, nice. Um, well, it's good to be having a dram again, Teddy boy. Yeah. Uh, excuse to pull out a few bottles. We've got some uh, unicorn in our bottle. Mm. And, unicorn in our bottle. Unicorn in our glasses. <laughs> it's a very rare dram, is it? Yeah. It's it's a bit of a horny one at any rate. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the Fetican 16. Yeah, um, Whiskey Club special. I haven't minded it, at least judging by the fact the bottle's nearly empty. But as we know, Whiskey Club is for drinking. Yeah. Hey, so this episode's going to be... A bit more of just a conversational one. We've got a few few things that we just want to catch up on and yeah. have a chat about. There's sort of no- news reactional sort of thing, but in our own whiskey waffle tongue-in-cheek sort of way. Yeah, so weird thing that happened that I'd forgotten about until Chris Green, one of our Patreons, got in contact yeah. with us. So I, I'd totally forgotten about this until you mentioned that you'd seen a comment on the... Uh, on the Patreon, but um, so my mum went on a just a shout hi to Ted's mum. Yeah, hi, hi, mum. Um, <laughs> my mum went on a trip recently over to the mainland. Um, she does them every now and then. This time, um, the trip was going from Perth uh, down around the southern coast through to Radelaide. Across the Nullarbor? Yeah, across across the Nullarbor, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, it was interesting if, like, uh, the the scenery sort of keeps going around the same things (laughs) for a while there. You you can relate to that. You've been across the Nullarbor. Yeah, as a nine-year-old. Not since. But I... She actually did tell me about this at the time, and I'd forgotten. So, she was at a market over in... Perth area somewhere. Maybe... Maybe not quite Perth. But... She was at market and she got talking to this guy there who was um, who was doing some whiskey related stuff. Um, spruiking, spruiking, spruiking some uh, some whiskey things. I think uh, related to Whippersnapper, mm-hmm. classic WA uh, WA drop there. Um, and she was talking to the guy, and as she likes to, she was like, "Oh, so my son and his best mate they they run this thing called Whiskey Waffle." You should get into it. Like, you obviously like whiskey. You should totally get around whiskey <laughs> off. And he was like, 
Oh my god! I am a whiskey waffle Patreon. He is indeed. Who are you? And she's like, I am Ted's mum. And so yeah, um, that what was a like, legend. Just how small is the world? No, but- our brand ambassadors—they get far and wide. Ted, they yeah. spread the whiskey waffle word. I, I love sending stuff across to our guys um, mm. in WA. I've, I've always had a really soft spot for the um, for the WA crew. Yeah, They're, you like yeah. it less when they send stuff back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sure Whippersnapper are doing some great stuff at the moment. We need to try their latest batch. Yes, we do. But yeah, that just how random is that? Mm, but- nah, brilliant. No, there's been a bit of bit of buzz on the Patreon. I'm assuming a few reactions to our overrated whiskeys episode last week. Yeah. Well, we know one person who definitely did, but yeah, there was, a, there was actually some really good um, chatter on the um, Patreon, which um, <laughs> I like, uh, I like uh, Lord Walden um, saying, list of great bourbon. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, he, he did actually say, though, that uh, his Sullivan's Cove bottles have been least gone to bottles. Mm. They taste like what Play-Doh smells like with a smidge of oak. Yeah, well, that's a bit cool. And he was very excited about them when he came down to Tassie. I also, I also like there's there's actually a bit of romance going on the pod at the moment. Is there? Yeah, yeah, apart yeah. from between you and me. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. They, they, these guys are like, yeah, definitely waggling their eyebrows at each other. <laughs> Lord Walden um, commented, Lord Walden, a.k.a. The Pitmaster, <laughs> uh, referring to his love of uh, smoking and barbecuing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, The Pitmaster and Snags. <laughs> Sounds about right, XO. Um, and Snags replied, My good man, Lord Walden. Warrandite, holy smokes. I'm a Montmontsery uh, man. Should we swipe right? <laughs> um, uh, I, I love how they're all anonymous nicknames on there as well. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can, you're, you're free to be who you want to be on the Whiskey Waffle Patreon. Yeah, um, also, um, Whimge, Whiskey is My Jam, um, mentioned that um, some other overrated ones that we didn't mention, but worth uh, mentioning in his own opinion, the Dalmore, uh, yeah, that, she reckons low uh, ABVs, mm. high E150A, which I personally love. Um, <laughs> love a bit of caramel colouring. Yeah, and hugely expensive age statements and yeah. non-age. And Highland Park, McAllen's northern and cheaper, poorer sherried cousin. Mm. Doesn't mm. doesn't rate McAllen's Controversial uh, with Park some, much. but um, other people will be nodding along saying, also, yeah, um, Mr. Jam. You a know lot of people about. will really agree with this one too. Are there committee releases in the past four years? Like, what one in five actually good these days? Yeah, in the last in the last little while, one in five might be good to drink, but five in five will have a wonderful label. Yeah, um, Snags has written a novel, so I'm not going to read <laughs> the entire thing out, but did say, "Oh my god, love this ep," and feel like I've been discussing some of these topics for a while. But question: Would you have popped the Lager 16 in your list if it wasn't for? Wasn't in the guys list too. So who was the who was the guy who? Wrote yeah, that? yeah. Um, no, we, we that was the original article. Yeah. But no, we we didn't actually know no, what was on I, that list. I um I came up with that completely independently. Uh, snags. Um, I didn't hear that list until Nicholas read it to me live on air. So mm-hmm. also interesting question. Um, why aren't we enrolled in SMWS? Ah, this this is a very good point actually, and something we've thought about for a long time. Um, for me, it's a simpler case of if I spent the money to enroll in SMWS, I would buy lots of bottles of SMWS. Mm. And I'm not sure my budget could stretch that far. Yeah. Um, so we d- we did mention that uh, some someone had a fairly strong reaction to the last episode. Do you want to uh, do you want to mention uh, our friend T Trout? Um, yes, yes, indeed. So we may have uh, 
we may have given bourbon another pasting, which um, <laughs> we, you know, we 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 sometimes acknowledge the um the beauty in a bourbon, but more often than not, we're um sort of paying it out because that's sort of our whiskey waffle mo. <laughs> but um, T Trout had a few uh few drams himself um a few Saturdays ago and thought he would. I think he was listening to it whilst he was, you know, doing doing a few jobs around the place and um having a bourbon and listening to our pod. And uh, it was you in could, the perfect you... state of mind too. Tell us exactly how wrong we are. Yeah, you could hear the missiles arming. <laughs> um, so this is a fun one. Of course bourbon tastes like bourbon. Just like all scotch tastes like other scotch. Like a tassie whiskey tastes like all tassie whiskey. All bourbon tastes like bourbon because it's made of the same stuff. Just like a malt. They are all different. Then on a subcategory, they're slightly different between each other. Do anyone do bourbon like America? No. Does anyone do scotch like the Scots do it? Yes, everybody! Everything tastes like scotch except bourbon and rye. Um, and then I said, uh, Lafroig, Dalmore, Ockentoshin. Point proven. Yeah. And then he came back to us and said, Balcones, Buffalo Trace, Jack Daniels. Point proven back. <laughs> but, uh, yes. And, uh, I, I said that, um, Balcones is freaking delicious, but then he's like, oh, I wouldn't say all of it's delicious. So we even disagreed on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, then he went on to say that there's a couple of Aussie places putting their spit on bourbon. And he said, guess what? They all taste like bourbon. And then I said, I'm not sure I agree with that fact. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone can really make it taste like the Americans do. <laughs> and then he went on to say this one. All whiskey tastes like scotch. Oof. <laughs> Big call. Cool. Uh, but yes, he was finishing off a bottle of a 65.5% stag at the time. Stag with a double G. That sounds delicious. And uh, yeah, no. So he was, um, you know, he's having a bit of fun at our expense and... Um, yeah. It's our turn to get our revenge. Yeah. What do you reckon? All non-American whiskey tastes the same, does it, fellow wafflers? If not, feel free to egg T. Trout's house. He lives at number 620 for... No, okay. uh, <laughs> no um, but uh, no, he's a Patreon, though, so um, feel free to uh, to jump on the uh, all bourbon, taste low bourbon bandwagon if you so wish. Yeah, let's let's all go T. Trout baiting. <laughs> uh, he loves it. He loves it secretly, deep down. Yeah, deep it's brought down. us together. Yeah. Yep. Our um, differing of opinions on bourbon. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Well, yeah. There's there's some good good chatter happening there. Mm. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Feel free to jump on. You only have to be at our like lowest like two or fifty a month level to jump on and access all the comments on our Patreon. Mm. So um, yeah. Feel free to do so. Or if you want to get our review drams, jump on at tasting panel levelists. Um. Anyway, should we do some waffling, Ted? Because <laughs> I don't know what we've been doing so <laughs> yeah, far. I know. All right, let's get concise on this podcast, ass. <laughs> the only reason we're going to be concise, Ted, is because at the start of the night, we haven't really had that many drams yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, the outro, that'll be rambling forever. The Waffle. Let's waffle. Now, Nicholas, the topic of our waffle today is uh, something that you uh, came across on the news and flicked through to me. You're like, oh my God, this has happened again. We should definitely talk about this. Indeed, it has. So, um, years and years ago, on the Whiskey Waffle website, um, back when we were posting, you know, an article every week, um, those were the days. Yeah. Who has time for that these days? Um, but yeah, there was a bit of a hoo ha because a very exciting bottle of Macallan had sold for a record-breaking price. That record was. 1.5 million pounds or 2.8 million Australian dollars. Oh, man, that is so expensive. An absolutely ridiculous price. Well, Ted, I've got news for you. It's Do been, tell. It's been broken. It's been broken? Yes. Um, just recently, Mules last month, flush. a bottle has beaten that price. And 
it's I don't know if it's the same bottle, but it's the same type of bottle. So let me tell you a what, story. Glass. Me, yeah. <laughs> uh, whiskey. Yep. No, let me tell you a story. I'll paint a picture. Okay. Um, with my words, because this is a podcast. Um, so in 1926, McKellen, who else, put some whiskey down for a long time. Um, they aged it for 60 years in a ex sherry cask. Yep. And left it there for 60 years. It was bottled in 1986. And by this stage, there were only 40 bottles left. Woof. Um, they were never sold. They were, they were given to very important people as gifts. And over the years, some of these bottles have ended up on the market. So a 60-year-old whiskey, barreled 1926 and then bottled in 1986. And they've occasionally gone to auction since, including this one a few years ago and including this one just last month. Now, the reserve price wasn't anywhere near the record. It was They thought it might be somewhere between £930,000 or maybe up to £1.5 million, which was the record that the previous one set. Do you know how much it sold for? Well, yes, I do, because you sent me the article. But no, no, do tell. Um, so <laughs> thank you for keeping that suspense up, Ted. So this one sold for £2.7 million. Man, that is ridiculous. 3.4 million US dollars and 5.2 million Australian dollars. Oh my god. So that is that is a lot of money. Just think think of the houses you could be buying for 5.2 million dollars, the beachside mansions. Yeah. Man, that's that's wild. For a single bottle. I mean, it's wild because I mean, what is someone going to do with it? It's it's never going to be drunk, so that's put that one out of the the equation straight away. It's going to be in a in a you know a temperature controlled Vault. glass cabinet, yeah, vacuum sealed. I don't know, and just sat there and got some people around to look at it. Woof, that is yeah ridiculous. Mm. Although James Bond could shoot it off someone's head, <laughs> yeah, a nip of it, but that means you have to pour some yeah. first. Uh, McCallan, but they they would be stoked with this McCallan, wouldn't they? They would be so yeah, pleased. It's, Once it's again, just, they are the record holders for yeah, a sale it's just of upping the wankery. I know, but this is what they buy into, and they need that wankery there to be able to sell their normal stuff for yeah. you know high prices. I mean, we're talking about overrated whiskies last time. We didn't really dig into McCallan too much, but yeah, they're um, yeah, they put themselves on a bit of a pedestal, and this just reinforces that hundred percent. So. Last time around this happened, we did a bit of a thing. Mm. We did a bit of a thing where worked out what can you buy for the cost of a ridiculously <laughs> expensive bottle of Macallan. This is the fun part. This is the fun part because Ted and I were doing a little bit of research earlier tonight before we hit record on the on the podcast, and we're looking up some pretty fancy bottles and some other you know bits and pieces that um you know we wouldn't mind having in our collection, um, pouring ourselves a dram of occasionally. And um, yeah, we made a bit of a list of whiskies and other paraphernalia that you could buy for this price, for 2.7 million pounds, for 5.2 million Australian dollars. And this is what we came up with. So name me a distillery, Ted, that you're going to struggle to find age statements from. Struggle to find age statements from? Yeah. Uh, Japan? Yes, indeed. So if you were to find a ridiculous age statement in Japan, say a Yamazaki 50-year-old, you could still buy seven bottles of that. For the same price of this Macallan. Not bad. Um, the Macallan was only 60-year-old. What if you wanted something older, like a 80-year-old whiskey? Okay. This is the oldest you, one we can find for sale. A Gorna McPhail Glenlivet 80-year-old. You could buy 31 bottles of that for the price of this <laughs> Macallan. 
and you know, a standard fifty-year-old now. So talking about Glenn Fiddick, fifty-year-old, standard fifty-year-old. Yeah, no, nothing, a, nothing fancy. Just your plain garden variety fifty-year-old. <laughs> so Glenn Fiddick, fifty-year-old, you could get four hundred and thirty-three bottles for the price of this McAllen. We we've named the Pappy Van Winkles as a ridiculously hard to get bottle. Yeah. Seven hundred forty-three bottles you could get for the price of this one. Oh, so like, can can you imagine having seven hundred bottles of Pappy Van Winkles, twenty-three-year-old? <laughs> Tea trout, love can. it. Yeah. <laughs> You drink it every night. Yeah. Um, so, Glenn Farkless, 40-year-old. So, you know, this is an accessible 40-year-old and one both of us have tried before. Yep. You get 2,737 bottles of a Glenn, Glenn Farkless 40-year-old. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that it goes to show you some of the differences between different distilleries. In mm, like, You can just get a, a, a pretty cheap-ass... Forty-year-old uh, yeah. Glen Farkless versus yeah, like a, <laughs> yeah, a ridiculously nearly three thousand bottles worth, and it's it's been matured in sherry as well. Yep. And what about Tassie? Let's um, think about an expensive Tassie, a Sullivan's Cove French Oak. Yep. Now it's not barrel five two five, but you know you could still get one around. You could get five thousand two hundred bottles um, for the same price. Not as bad. This particular <laughs> Macallan, or you know our particular bugbear at the moment, the Lark Classic Cask. Um, yeah. You know how many bottles you could get? 26,000. That is this year. This is this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, back when we first started buying the classic cask, you could get 40,000 bottles. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. That, oh, that goes to show says. how much the uh, market price for Lark Classic's going up. Yeah. And speaking of whiskeys going up, the Lagavulin 16, 34,000 bottles yeah, yeah, yeah. for this price. And I'm sure back in the day, it could have been a few more as well. Um, but what about Ardbeg 10-year-old? Like, that's something that you love to have a few bottles on your shelf. Yeah, Maybe yeah. have one there forever. So it's yeah. always, when one finishes, still, you just grab the next still one. Still just sub 100? Um, yeah, indeed. So you could get 52,000 bottles of Ardbeg yeah. 10-year-old for the same price. Um, but, you know, what if you just want to have a swimming pool full of whiskey? Johnny, sure. Johnny Walker Red? Yep. 115,555 bottles. Or if it's, you know, Olympic swimming pool and you want some bells, 130,000 bottles. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know if anyone in the world needs 130,000 bottles of bells, but instead of buying that Macallan, you could get that much bells. Yeah, nice. Ted's, Ted's just doing some maths to find out how many litres that is. Yeah. 91 million millilitres. <laughs> yes, divide by 1,000. Divide by 1,000. 91,000. Yeah, 91,000. So how many litres are in an Olympic pool? <laughs> Hey Siri, how many liters are there in an Olympic swimming pool? Uh, I'm, I'm two and a half million. Yeah, I'm getting two and a half million. Okay, so it'd be quite shallow. <laughs> so yeah, you need you need to kind of nearly triple triple the amount of whiskey we've got. There to fill, fill <laughs> you need in. three bottles of Macallan Old and Rare. Just but I reckon <laughs> we could fill a backyard pool. Yeah, we could. We could, we could certainly fill the paddling pool on New Year's. Yeah, uh, that'd be. F- That's gonna sting. Yeah, <laughs> it would sting. All right. Well, what about non-whiskey items? What about um, what about cars, luxury cars, and um, what filling a swimming pool with them? <laughs> no, filling the uh, petrol tank. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> so um, we, Ted and I, think of luxury cars, and we we both sort of um, thought of the Bugatti Veyron. So um, that car, you could get two and a bit yep. um, Veyrons for the price of this bottle. So you could get one one Veyron, and then you could just get. Um, 15 bottles of 80-year-old Glenlivet. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like a normal rich person thing to do. Yeah. Um, 
Now, this is a car, car after your own heart, Tata BMW E30 M3. Yep. You get 26 of them for this 26 price. of them, yep. Yeah, I don't know if you I'll need have, 26 in the, in the garage. But. I'll, I'll have 26 of those, thank yep. you. Or a Porsche Taycan, you could get 32 of them. That's the electric, the new electric Porsche. Yeah, yeah, that'd be um, that'd be impressive. So, or oh, speaking of electric cars, you get 80 Tesla hmm. Model 3s. Yep. Um, or 124 MX-5s, the Mazdas. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just you know... A few different colours. Doesn't matter if you you crash a couple of them. Um, zooming around the town, or you know, scratch them. You know, that's a write-off. But you know, you could get you could get 150 Corollas, Ted. That's what you really need. 150 Corollas. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could drive you could drive each one sort of twice a year, yeah, basically, yeah. and then get your MX-5s out. Yeah, or you don't never have to refill the fuel tanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, or reasonably good quality uh, Datsun 120Y. You could get 1,040 of them. Excellent. <laughs> Um, just you know, you just get a bunch of your mates and just go hooning around and dats and one. I, want, I, want the, I don't know if anyone has a thousand and forty mates. But, uh, I want the green one with the um the nice sort of red and yellow pinstriping mm, on the side. That's the best one. Yeah. What about not cars though? You could get seventeen Robinson R twenty two helicopters. Yeah. Instead of a bottle of this. <laughs> or you know, thinking of the animal kingdom, I think you get um, about one thousand and forty English bulldogs. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> just imagining a thousand bulldogs just running around a paddock. <laughs> or you could rent four pandas for an entire year and you could still buy a giant Tibetan Mastiff uh, with a leftover change. Yeah, um, nice. I don't know what that combination of animals you're going to do with particular <laughs> yeah. but uh, Yeah, just have four pandas wandering around for a year and, um, and a Mastiff to cuddle. Um, you could fly, Ted. You could fly from Sydney to London and back 3,058 times. Oh, that's holidays. such a long flight. I think you've got the one with really <laughs> bad connections there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you could stay, Ted, at the Hilton in Sydney mm. for over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Or fly, uh, not quite into space, you could do their um, uh, Virgin Atlantic. What is it? The sub... The suborbital. Suborbital. You could do that seven times for yeah, the same Yeah, nice. Price. Whereas, so that's the suborbital flights... From what I understand, if you want to get in actually into interspace and spend some time there, it's going to cost you about 50 mil. Oh, right. So, yeah, um, you're going to have to sell a, a dozen of your McKellen Holden rares to be able to afford yeah. one of them. Oh, blimey. As I say, it's like you, you could just go, go, to, uh, go to NASA and be like, Oh yeah, I'd like, can can you get me up in space? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give you a case for it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, silly silly numbers. I just cannot fathom. Just cannot fathom. Yeah, yeah. A bottle of whiskey shouldn't be worth twenty years in the Hilton. It I, shouldn't be worth forty bottles of an eighty-year-old whiskey. A thousand bulldogs. <laughs> a thousand bulldogs or one bottle of McKellen. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh man, interesting stuff. That's ridiculous. It's, no, it's it's silly, but um, yeah, it's 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 not whiskey though, is it? Like you can't treat it as whiskey. You can't think of it as whiskey. No, nah, it's, it's it's someone's asset. It's asset. Well, it's a- assets. Mm. You've got some quite nice assets. I know. I do. Well, yeah. I'm staring at yours yeah. too with that singlet top too. Um, but no, I mean, it's going to be sold again in the future, right? Because the the value is not going to drop. No, it's just going to continue to go up. And you know, someone has something that's worth two and a half million now. Next one's going to go for three and a half or five million. I don't know. Or do they? Or do they? Because there has been some controversy in recent years about fake whiskies on the market. Now, they're iced tea. At the time of this article, there were two fake full sets of McAllen Fine and Rares um, over the past 12 months. I don't know when this article was written. Mm. 2019, 2019. 
There was uh, some 294 counterfeit bottles with a combined value of 6.6 6 million. Um, so, so they they were discovered to be counterfeit, but they yep. still sold it. <laughs> well, they I think they were they'd sold after mm. they'd sold before they were discovered to be counterfeit. Exactly, and there were yeah. some angry people. Yeah, yeah, around oh, the place. So, I can't imagine it. Like all you've got is someone's say so. Like. You know, I, I I've got a I actually do have an authentic bottle of Helios Row that was filled in two thousand and eleven, and I've got a certificate to prove it. Yep. Um, I'm sure you know the certificates left. No, I don't know. It's just uh, maybe through like some sort of syringe insertion, you could extract some of the liquid. You could test mm. it. Maybe. Um, Which I think is part of what they do mm. um, to work these things out, but. Yeah. Yeah, as as it says, this is this is a uh, um, very good point from ScotchWhiskey.com's article. Though, is whatever action is taken by auction houses, distillers, or other organisations to tackle the issue of fake whiskey, the old ad- adage of caveat emptor, buyer beware, remains as true and as relevant as ever. So, if you are in the market for a two point seven million pound bottle of Macallan. Just make sure you do your research on it first. You got the donger there, Ted? Mm-hmm. You got the donger. I do have the donger. I've got it well in hand. It's between it's, your legs at the it's moment. Pretty, it's a pretty thick and girthy one, actually. Too. <laughs> the whiskey. Apparently, I'm kicking this off because uh, Ted's given me a few nods there. <laughs> he needs all his brain power, to be fair, to concentrate on how to open a bottle with a wax seal. <laughs> oh, it's it's happened so many times before. Yeah, he struggles with a screw top, to be fair, but um, he's uh he's got a bottle here ah. and he's he's fighting his way through it. Three hours later. Uh yes, I've got this bottle open. Well done, Teddy boy. Well Woo! done. So, tell me about Belgrove, Teddy boy. Now you've got some in your glass, and I'm going to get some in mine. So. Belgrove is situated down in the Kempton area of Tasmania. People may who have been through Kempton may know the region for its famous festival, which they advertise every year on the hill above the town. They advertise all year. <laughs> um, yes, they actually have a permanent sign uh, there too as well. Yeah. It is also where one Peter Bignall resides. Now, who is Peter Bignall? Uh, he's a mad scientist. Yes, <laughs> he does. He does terrible, wicked experiments. <laughs> no, he does wonderful experiments. He's the sort of man that combines science and art and makes it into liquid gold. He builds all his equipment himself through all sorts of old leftover bits and pieces, and basically doesn't do anything by the book. Yeah, he's he's he, what he is. He's a proper farmer, mm. which is true. Like I'm not just I'm not just uh, calling him a farmer. Um, as a joke, he 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 is a he is a proper farmer, and he is one of those old proper old school farmers who can just like give give him a piece of uh, fencing wire and they'll build you a rocket ship. Yep. Uh, yeah, or a still. Yeah, they just sort of get an idea in their head one day and they'll just go do it and yep. do it very competently. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always had a, a very sort of handmade do-it-yourself ethic. Mm. No, you're absolutely right. And um, in this case, he had a leftover grain surplus mm. and uh, needed something to do with it. But here's where it gets interesting, because that grain is not barley. No, it is not. It was rice. <laughs> nearly, nearly. <laughs> rice whiskey. Yes, he was, he was, in, he was in his uh, rice paddy down on the, uh, <laughs> on the uh, Kempton Plains. <laughs> Thinking, oh, what am, what am I going to do with all this rice that I've got growing? <laughs> Take that off the end, Ted. You've just about got it right. There's a skit in there. We're, we're going to work this up. <laughs> Vietnamese Belgrave. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, no, take this off the end and you get rye. 
Yeah. And that was the crop. And that's what he's famous for. So are we reviewing, Ted, a rye whiskey today? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely Don't be not. so stupid. That would be far too simple. No, he's fiddled around with all sorts of different um, distillation processes. So he's also distilled uh, malt spirit. He's also experimented to try and make the most heavily peated whiskey in the world. Um, but this one is none of those things. This is Porridge. Oh. <laughs> it is porridge. This is oat whiskey. And this is the batch six oat whiskey. So he's done five previously. So this is the sixth one. Yeah, okay. So, Ted, you're the porridge man. So you're going to have to tell me a bit more about oats. Uh, they are a grain. They're another They're another one of those um, those grains like wheat and rye mm. and barley and all those sorts of things. They're I just, just only ever see them when they're rolled. Yeah. So this is um, a whiskey that's been made in exactly the same ways as previous different Belgrove products, rye or malt or brandy. Um, it's been distilled in his direct fire still and then aged for a period of time in a barrel or two and then bottled. This one bottled at 54.5%. Yeah, interesting. So I can't I can't say for certain how many whiskies that we've had oats in, the, in them without knowing because oats, uh, like particularly with bourbons and things like that, they could be part of the mash bill and you wouldn't necessarily know it. Mm. But we have definitely had some whiskies that we do know have had oats in them. I think we have actually had some Belgrove before that's had oats, but we've also had some, ha- uh, not hardwoods, um, some tips mm. that have had oats as part and of it the was And it was Peter Bignall's uh, oat whiskey, I think, that was made up that blend. Mm. Uh, but this is a straight one. This is 100% oats. And um, the interesting thing is, differentiating the classic Belgrove flavor, which I think is in no small part down to the direct fired stills, and then pulling apart what is the oats bringing as well. Well, I'll tell you what, there's no small parts around here. <laughs> Not one way concerned. So what are you getting on the nose, Teddy boy? It's very, um, it's, it's quite a pleasant, sweet and perfumed nose. It certainly doesn't have the um, the earthy spiciness of the rye. Like we've always found that Belgrave's rye has just got this wickedly grotty, earthy, really mm. robust nose to it, and it's, it's great. But yeah. this this is completely different. It's got none of the spice from the rye, but it certainly just still has a slight caramelized that sort of um, sugar yeah. sticking to the side. Yeah, of it the makes me. Th- it makes pot. me think of the smell of um, some of the smells of stewing fruit, mm. which is something that we talk about with Belgrave as well. Mm. But this is yeah, just really. It is a delicate uh, nose. It's it certainly doesn't come and slap you in the face. No, um, there's not too many stats. It doesn't tell us cast types or anything. But he has told us that it was bottled um, in September last year. We know that you can't necessarily trust uh, Peter on what cast types are, though. I know, for that Pinot cast that we supposedly took home with us that time. Yeah. I caught up with him at a festival uh, a few months later and he told me it was actually a Shiraz cask. Yeah. Cheers, Pete. <laughs> and I, I was like, at this stage, writing articles on Whiskey Waffle saying how Pinot casking is the way to go for rye whiskey. It just balances out the fruit and brings some of those notes out. And <laughs> turns out I've been talking about a Shiraz, Shiraz cask the whole yep. time. Uh, you just need that robustness of the Shiraz to uh, balance against yeah, the yeah. robustness of the Yeah, that's what I meant the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pinot would just be too delicate. So, yeah, the nose for me is sort of a subtle Belgrove. Like, this is an introduction to Belgrove on the nose. Mm. It doesn't have the same level of earthy depths to it. Mm. But um, I think we should have a sip. Sure. It's so funny when we do reviews, like someone actually has to suggest drinking it. Otherwise, yeah. we'll just be 15 minutes into the review and we've only got onto the nose. So, uh, yes, Ted. On the mouth, mm. 
I don't know if you get it. I definitely do. There is a slight burnt note to it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. Which I definitely associate with Belgrove. Mm-hmm. Because the way he, well, to my knowledge, although it might not be quite the same these days because he did have to um, do a few things around the place, it used to be that the stills were direct fired. Hmm. And it probably, probably was when this um, spirit was uh, made and laid down. They probably were still um, direct fired. And so I think that it gets, you get crispy burnt bits. Mm. Yeah, particularly with rye, but um, I'm sure the oats as well are going to stick yeah. to the sides a bit. Well, yeah, imagine, imagine the oats, well, yeah, would go really thick and porridgey. So mm. you're going to get those burnt um, proteins in there. Yeah, I don't find the the texture of it too oily. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a really thick, heavy one. It's it's got quite a nice, light, open, delicate um, body to it. Yeah. No. Again, I'm going to continue along that theme. I think this is entry. This is the bridging course to Belgrove, mm. the foundation level. Before you can go on and study the Belgrove degree, you have to uh, get used to the flavour of this one, then you can move on to the rye. I think I do think it's actually very approachable. What, mm. what percentage did you say again? 54 and a half. 54 and a half. Yeah, that's, that's a very approachable 54 and a half. Yeah, yeah. I I can see some similar similarities in the flavours there, but again, it's it's definitely not got... It's it's not the, the sort of full 10-course... Belgrove degustation. No, no, exactly right. Interestingly, like, I'm not sure if oat is going to give the same level of character and flavour as as malt would, and certainly not as a rye would. Um, I think oats are going to be one of the lighter ones. Of course, we talk about wheat being like that sort of silent spirit, just like that bulk it out type thing. And, um, you know, once that um, Vietnamese dream does come true for a uh, big nil, then uh, the rice whiskey might be something different again. But yeah, oats I think is be one of the more neutral grains. Yeah, it's it's definitely a pleasant thing to drink though. Mm. It, it's it's, it's not hard. It's been well made. You can tell. You can tell that um, he makes good stuff, and this yep. is no exception. Yeah. Um. Do, what What do we think about cask type? Um. Let's say it's a Shiraz, yeah. and that way we'll know that it's a Pinot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is my comment from tasting this. Now I'm drinking this. I understand. Why Tim Duckett, going back to that Tib whiskey we talked about, used this in a blend. Yeah. Um, this is like Silent Spirit, but good. Yeah. This is your grain addition. That's not a malt that you can blend along with something else, give it body, give it um, sort of smooth out some of the rough edges, but have enough flavor, enough character that you can actually balance out flavors with it i think this is perfect for blending and i can exactly see where tim duckett is yeah got excited about it and made the blend one the blend two we've we've had a few of them now three this is texture Mm. i i wouldn't necessarily want to drink glass after glass of this as it is um the the floralness of it might get a little bit much after a while It's, it's it's perfectly nice but it it might just start to grate a little bit whereas i can see that Adding that those floral and fruity notes in amongst some other things mm. would just yeah add add some high notes, some delicacy, a bit of character in there, yep. some refined character over some grungier, earthier, basier notes. Yeah, and you don't need to include um, 
too much sort of peated whiskey in, in this sort of blend because it's already got this sort of um, this slight sort of um, fired character to it. Mm. It could even be a workhorse in a blend and bring in some something really almost sweet and fruity mm. from like a, an old pork cask or something and blend it with a, you know, 70% this and create something pretty special as well. Like we've been to different distilleries and done these blending experiences. I like to do a blending experience at Hartwood yeah. <laughs> or at Tib, like, and just bring in, oh, yes, here's your oats. Um, here's some of your 50-year-old pork casks. Use that well. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we take all these ingredients and make a terrible whiskey with them. <laughs> but, <laughs> and Tim would come along and have a few sniffs of each one mm. and say, no, no, basically invert whatever we did yep. and uh, stick his paddle in there and uh, beat and it mercilessly. Hey, hey, hey! Yep. Well, we have to come to a number with this. Yeah. I'll, I'll, let, um, I'll let you you hazard a number first. Oh, I think it's a three-star whiskey. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I like it a lot. I don't like it enough to give it a four. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't necessarily need to go back for another dram. Some some whiskey's a bit more Moorish than this. This is a bit more sort of uh, occasional, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. Definitely. I, there, was a, there was a really old Indiana Jones um, adventure game that I played. Um, back Ted, in the day. This is where Ted brings out one of his really niche references. Well, no, it's not. It's not so much a niche reference. Um, yeah, there was a there was a Indiana Jones computer game, but he he was searching. He had to find things in it. He was searching around in the uh, in the museum, and he picked up a lump of bitumen. <laughs> bitumen. Bitumen. I was like, what the? His bitumen. I, and, and how much it, does tumen cost? Yeah, it it eventually clicked. Ah. Oh, Bitumen. <laughs> yep. No. A 1980s um, American video game. Couldn't say the word bitch in it. So. <laughs> yeah. Bitumen. <laughs> dram in the box. All right. We've got a dram in the box, Ted. And technically a dram in bubble wrap. But it, <laughs> yeah. it came out of a box. <laughs> I shall choose to believe you. Yes. So this was sent to us uh, from Marn. Do you know who I mean by Marn? Marn. Yeah. I thought, I, thought, I thought there for a minute you said from Mars. <laughs> yeah. Well, may as well be because this is Belgrave. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so Marn is one of Pete Bignall's um, offsiders. Just just for the listeners out there, this isn't static that you're hearing on your <laughs> it's, it's not the actual sound quality of the thing. It's just because he's messing around trying to get that bottle out of It's authentic. Out. I don't know what's in here. All right. I'm about to find out what it is. Drama in a poppy bag. Ah, it's nearly out. Nearly out. Anyway, it's exciting. There's some cool like, stuff coming out like from Belgrave still. All right, here we go. It says brandy single cask. Brandy single cask. Yes, but does that mean it's the liquid is brandy, or does that mean that it's been in a barrel that has contained brandy? I think we're going to have to use our senses. I think we are. Okay, let's bust out the deer stalkers. It's detecting time. <laughs> I got my magnifying glass here ready. Is there any way that I can uh, detect your manhood, Ted? Oh, damn it. I was about to <laughs> make the same joke. <laughs> ah, I was too slow. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're too obvious. All right. So the question we have to ask ourselves very seriously right now, are we about to be traitors to our listeners Yeah. by drinking brandy <laughs> or whiskey waffle? Live on the podcast. Well, I'm assuming one sniff will give it away. So um, <laughs> All right. Let's find out. 
Yeah, pretty sure that's Brandy. Pretty sure that's Brandy. <laughs> there we go. It's not quite the white ball marker that I often associate with Australian brandy. Yeah. Okay. It's now time to officially uh, shut down Whiskey Waffle <laughs> Talk for the moment. We're on to Brandy Banter. Brandy Banter. I love it. Okay, what do we know about brandy? It's, uh, it's distilled great wine, juice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, distilled wine that has been matured for a period of time. I think it's still two years in Australia. And that's basically it. Yeah. What is the difference between brandy and cognac? Um, cognac is a geographically designated um, form of brandy. It has to be from the cognac region. And I'm assuming there's a lot more restrictions they place on the manufacturing of it and how it is made. What those restrictions are, like if the specific wine that has to be distilled or what the history of that wine is, I'm not sure. But mm. yes, uh, I just know that we're not making cognac in Australia anytime soon. What do you add brandy to? Uh, so brandy, it, it, it fortifies a number of things. It fortifies yourself when you need a bit of courage. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> the soul. Yes, it fortifies the soul, um, but it also gets added to um, uh, particular um, wines that are destined to become fortified wines, so sherries, ports, etc. Mm, and, uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned cognac, but I want to throw a little shout out there for Armagnac, which is mm. my personal preferred um Appellated brandy, if you will. <laughs> brandy banter is going well. Yeah. We know a surprisingly um, high amount about it. I've drunk very little of it. Yes. Um, the stills that you use to um, uh, distill brandy are different to the ones that you use to distill mm. whiskey, generally. Like, I, I should say traditionally. That's right. Because yeah. the ones in Australia would probably be very similar to the ones that are used um, for distilling whiskey. But the the uh, traditional um, cognac and brandy stills are quite complicated ones actually. They're they're very sort of multi part hmm. stills and they've got yeah different bits that do different and things. And big rounded sections and yeah, yeah. but basically yeah. while the um You're looking at my big rounded <laughs> sections. <laughs> Can't take my eyes off, Ted. Um generally they're um like it's just the sort of growth of technology. The Scottish yeah. um, sort of pioneered and continued to push on through whiskey production, whereas in France they were distilling all their wine, so therefore they would continue on a different route. And, um, yeah, you can still make one or the other, and I know that I'm in Dartmoor Distillery. They use an old Alambic ex-cognac still, so, yeah, but um, I'm assuming Peter Bignall has used these regular stills to distill this on. I will say it's rather nice on the nose. Yes. No, well, I've, I've, I've smelt a few brandies in my time and not many. In fact, yesterday, I was drinking brandy yesterday, did you know, Ted? No, I d- and d- didn't actually. I was with you yesterday. Yeah, I know. Indirectly, you were drinking brandy as well. Oh, okay. It was in the... Um... It was in the mulled wine. Right. Yeah, but I did have a, a little cap full before I poured the whole bottle in. Yep. Um, it wasn't great. Oh, so what, what brandy was that then? Uh, St. Remy... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fairly, like fairly uh, bog standard, nondescript yep. brandy. Right. Yeah, the stuff that goes Christmas, in Christmas, Christmas pudding. Christmas brandy, yeah. 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 Anyway, it's, I mean, it's vaguely promising on the nose. What do we know about Vesop? Um, so there are different levels of speciality. XO so, and Vesop. And yeah, so XO is higher than Vesop, I think. Um, very special, old. original, old yeah. um, piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Um, XO is the next is the top level, and then there might be a one below VSOP as well. Yeah. Anyway, I think I'm brave enough to have a sip now. So here's to you, Pete. I braced myself. Gosh, there's a whiny character to this, like um, Tasmanian red wine. Mm. It's very nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I can taste Tasmanian red wine here very much. This reminds me of couple this reminds me of of drinking gamay at Sinapius. Carbonic maceration. It's um yeah, this dusty sort of character to it. That's really interesting how much I associate that flavour with this. Well, whiskey waffle fans, it has been Wonderful time over these years knowing you. We've, <laughs> we've had great times with you. Um, but now, sadly, we are actually closing down <laughs> Whiskey Waffle because we are now all about brandy banter. On to the brandy. That's it. Is that, is that, is that weird crossover podcast that's about um, distilled wine and 90s pop singers? Well, I actually happen to know for a fact that you have some more brandy around here. That isn't the um, St. Remy. Pretty sure you do. Because I'm pretty sure I was with you. Well, I know you, I was with you when you bought what I think was brandy. And it was at Iron House. Yeah, yeah, I do. I've, uh, it's not here, I don't think. It's in Sassafras. But uh, yeah. yeah, I've got the breakfast brandy from, um, mm. from Iron House. I did quite enjoy that. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't opened it. Mm. I have to get around to that. But it came in a fancy box. So they they always box. do. Um, Brandy seems to be something that pops up, at least at least within Tasmania. It mm. seems to be something that pops up every now and then. You'll you'll Over find have done a nice one, mm. and Sullivan's Cove have done a nice yeah. one. You you'll see these fairly established distilleries, and they'll they'll pop out a brandy for mm. some reason. It seems to be something that that they need to get out of their system. Do you remember one, Ted? You bought one from um, Adelaide Hills Distillery. I, d- I still have it. <laughs> that shows how much you love that five hundred ml bottle. Yes, uh, but what do we no, do wait, to it? Do we still have it? Do we? Do we not do try doing something with that? We did. We did do something with it. However successful it was, we put it in a barrel. Yeah, that's right. We, we tried. I think to we we improved it. Yeah, but that's saying something because it wasn't very good to start with. Uh, that was the Applewood. Ah, uh, Applewood. Yes. Yep. So. Um, I'll uh, I'll let Adelaide Hills off the off the hook there. Yes, Nicholas was um, was quite uh, correct in his comment about uh, Australian brandies tasting like whiteboard marker. <laughs> yeah, in that case, I certainly was. Yeah, this one is interesting because I think this is quite delicious. I don't know if it's a finished product yet, though. I think it's still fifty percent wine. It could be. It, it's very nice. Yeah, it's a single cask. It's forty seven point seven percent. And uh, yeah, it's um, another product that Pete might be um, yeah. bringing out one day. Hopefully, hopefully this isn't like an embargoed product. <laughs> or well, maybe we're letting the cat out of the bag. Maybe we're breaking the story. Yeah, that's it. You heard it here first, folks. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm just putting that in in case. <laughs> we had no idea. Blame Marn. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, this is the sort of... Um, this is the sort of bottle I like, though. It's like very low on the marketing wank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it says, brandy, single cask, 47.7%. <laughs> yep. And that uh, is it. If we can stick a pregnancy label on the back and get that yep. out in the market, that's that's fine. Yep. Um, it is a handwritten label. I would just put out there. So. Mm. Mm. Well, cheers, Marn, for sending some our way. And um, we'll keep an eye on that one when it releases one day in the future. Yeah. If anyone is in the market for some Tasmanian brandy... Mm. then we can highly recommend you towards the insert actual final name here, <laughs> Brandy Single Cast from uh, Belgrove. Mm. Interesting stuff. Peter Bignall has released a distilled wine before, though, Ted. Have you, you heard about this one? Oh, uh, yeah. This platoon. <laughs> it's called uh, Kissing a Stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where Peter Bignall got his hands on a spittoon from a wine-tasting event and proceeded to distill. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, I mean, it's it's hygienic. It's already been well. It, it is. It is the um, all the bugs have been killed by the distillation process. Um, but you know, there it is. It's already been diluted down this wine as well mm. by other people's saliva. Ah, <laughs> uh, delicious. <laughs> Uh, only Belgrove. Mm. Some people get so upset about the concept, the mere concept of that. I just chuckle. Cannot help myself. But I'd chuckle. like to try it sometime. Actually, I'd, I'd try it. Yeah. Uh, no, wish them all the best. Well, there you go. That's the uh, that's uh, our dram in the box. Thank you for sending yes. that our way. If um, if anyone else wants to send us a dram in the box so we can uh, have an instant reaction to something, feel free. Yes. Here ends our uh, regular. Brandy banter segment that yeah. everyone loves so much. The one, yeah, I know. We'll have to bring him back every episode. No, yeah. the one and only Brandy banter ends now. Uh, Ted, I've done a naughty thing. Yeah, and then you made me do it. Well, I didn't make you do it. Well, no, you you inspired me to do it, and now I'm regretting it. Well, well, no, it's not too late, Ted. Put another splash in, of that in there and see if you can uh, balance it back again. So. We were talking about blending the Belgrove earlier. This is back after a review, a little peek behind the curtain of how our recording sessions go, where I'm going straight from review to outro this time. But I thought, well, if this is the workhorse for a blend, let's add some whiskey in. What did I have? That Cape Byron bourbon cask sitting around the other glass. And I poured a little splash into my Belgrove, maybe one quarter Cape Byron to three quarters Belgrove. And so Ted thought that'd be a really good idea and just blended his two glasses together. <laughs> it was about it was about half half. Yeah, I don't think half half is the right amount. So No, it wasn't. <laughs> Ted, Ted very quickly disagreed with that um Frankenstein monster that he created in the glass. Yeah. Um what about now you've put some Belgrove back in? Is it is it balanced it anymore? It has brought it up a little bit. I'm getting better on the nose. It it just washed out the nose completely before and now I am getting a bit more I do agree with your comment on bananas though. Mm. Yeah, sort of custard and banana sort of dessert thing, which is interesting. Mm. <laughs> I added a bit more Belgrave as well, but <laughs> oh, no. now I'm going to add more Cape Byron again. I'm going to end up with a stoter by the time I keep blending <laughs> these things. But this this, this is a world exclusive, folks. Mm. I bet no one has ever blended Cape Byron and Belgrave oat whiskey before. <laughs> I would say not. I would say we're quite safe in that one. Have we- you blended? <laughs> no. TM, TM, TM. No. No one has done it. Um, we're the first. That's and exciting. Probably the last. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say we've improved either whiskey. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the blend requires something more than a bourbon cask. Maybe the blend requires a fortified wine cask of some sort, which oh, yeah. is, I'm sure, how Tim Duckett uses it. Mm. Um, but that's all right. That's all right. You live and you learn. Or, in our case, Ted, you live, you learn, you drink a lot of whiskey, and then you forget what you've learned. <laughs> yes, very yeah. true. Until until I listen back to this podcast uh, when I'm editing over the next week, and then it's like, oh yeah, that revelation happened. Yes, that's what we did. <laughs> this is why this is why we turn the microphones on. You guys think we're trying to make a podcast here? All we're trying to do is keep a record of all the things that we actually um, realize and discover <laughs> yep. when we're drinking whiskey together. Otherwise, we just fall asleep at the end of the night, and all that goes out the window. No. And, and this is proven by the fact that sometimes we end up saying the exact same things without realizing it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> no, that that definitely happens. It's, it it happens when we're listening back to podcasts as well. After a while, mm. and we'll be just before we get to a bit, we'll say a comment about like we'll give a tasting note for a whiskey, 
and then we'll listen to the podcast and we'll say exactly the same <laughs> thing, even though we've completely forgotten that that's what we said. It's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Predictable if nothing o- else. Obviously, no our own minds. Mm-hmm. Well, Teddy Boy, it has been fun. It has been rather tasty and, um, yeah, maybe a, a little bit brief, but then we've we found a few tangents. Yes. All the same. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's been a it's been a good one. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed just a bit of a, a general waffly podcast. Yeah, neither of them. Well, just wait, next one's Christmas, Teddy Boy. Mm. That one's gonna be super waffly. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, um please consider joining up to the Patreon. Um there's some really good guys on there who yeah. um like to have a bit of a chat. Got a great team. And yeah. Stay tuned to the pod, it's still coming out. Monthly, which is, um, yeah, credit to both of us for uh, slotting this into our schedule. And, uh, yeah, Teddy Boy for organizing this one tonight. Uh, we made it work. And, we um, made it work. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll kick it off again. Ted's going to America soon. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be actually near a couple of distilleries, which I'm really keen to check out. I'm not, I'm not going to, into true bourbon territory at all. Sorry, yeah. T. Trout. <laughs> um, but there will be some potentially West Coast action mm. coming up. Excites me, Ted. I will say that I'm going to be at some points in Portland mm. and Seattle, which <sighs> I will leave that to you to work out what, what might be happening in those places. Good stuff. Oh, well, um, that's, a, that's a podcast waiting to happen and of mm. course the new year brings some whiskey waffle awards as well so yeah let's see what we come out with in the next few months because um yeah um there's some good stuff but um yeah let's start december with this waffle topic right here cheers teddy boy cheers nicholas i have been ted and i have been nick it's funny like yeah teddy boy and nicholas becomes uh ted and nick very quickly yeah uh we are whiskey waffle we, we very are. much enjoyed waffling at you australia's Absolute first favourite whiskey podcast. That's the one. Yes. Unrivaled favourite podcast. Indeed. Well, thank you very much. We will talk to you again around Christmas. But for the meantime, stay safe and... Good night. Oh, keep on waffling. waffling. (laughs) And... And good keep on... (laughs) (laughs) And keep on on good night waffling. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. we got my magnifying glass here ready. Is there any way that I can uh, detect your manhood, Ted? Oh, damn it! I was about to <laughs> make the same joke. <laughs> ah, I was too slow. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're too obvious.